Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Um, I hope you've had a good weekend. I've had a good weekend. Um, a blast in getting to know a lot of you guys, and uh, I pray that that continues. Um, if you uh, ever need to ask a question or get a hold of me in some way or whatever, um, I gave your youth leaders this morning my social media stuff, so you guys can get that from them, um, and they'll, they'll, they'll assess you first and be like, does Nate really need to hear? I'm just kidding. No, they won't do that. They'll just give it to you, and then you can, uh, I know you don't have your phones right now. Um, you can reach out that way, so, which is pretty cool. Um, today, we're talking about restoration, like what God does after he redeems us, as he begins to restore us, he is about restoring things back to how they were supposed to be in the first place. We were created to live in a perfect harmony with God, and sin has messed that up, and we still, we still see through a glass darkly, Paul says. Like there's still like, we're not like, we have access to the throne room of God, but we're not in the throne room throne room of God. You know, we're not going to see God in his full presence here on earth, but we are, he is restoring things. He is making us more and more like his son, which is really cool. It happens in a, in a process. And if you don't start that process off, if you just stay exactly where you are, it can mess you up big time. So I'm going to go out of order again. Let's show the frog cycle for a second. So um, this is just random science, right? So we have the egg stage. Have you guys seen this before, right? No? Yes? Are you guys awake? Frogs, all right? You didn't think you'd hear about a frog on Sunday morning? Wake up. Anyways, eggs, embryo, and then they, they, they start to look like this little fish thing. And then pretty soon couple legs pop out. Maybe you didn't know there was a two-leg face. I don't know. Maybe that's news to you. Maybe you're a frog expert. I have no idea. I don't even know what a frog expert is called. But then you get the four-leg phase, and then he starts to look like this frog with a tail, and pretty soon, bam, frog. Now, if any of these were stunted along the way, like if you got stuck in the egg phase, what a weird life that frog would have led. It's like, can't get out, don't know what to do. Or they're just like an embryo, or they, or they just have the two-leg thing, and they're just, they're just going around. Something would be innately wrong with that frog, correct? You think so, right? So God doesn't leave us the way he found us. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, we can throw that up there too. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. There's a lot packed into that little verse there, but he leads us captive. When Christ died and rose from the dead, he led captivity captive. Like he, he took people who had been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah and he literally brought them back. So in Matthew, there's four different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all different camera angles of the same story. But Matthew gives us a couple details because if you get different camera angles, you might have a wider focus on something. You ever seen something in the background of something? You're like, I never saw that before. We used to do that all the time when they first took, now this is just gonna show how old I am. But TVs used to be just square instead of rectangle. And so everything that you saw in the theater, they would cut off the sides and then it would show on TV. 
And so when they started showing you could buy widescreen, nobody really wanted it because they would show it like this and you'd lose the top and bottom half of your TV, but there was more to see. And episode one of Star Wars, which I'd only seen in the theater and didn't notice something, when I got the widescreen, I paused and I was like, wait a second, what is that? And often in the Senate scene, now some of you guys haven't seen Star Wars and I've lost you, but there's a Senate scene. In our Senate, when they pan, you see a bunch of chairs, right? And most of them are not filled because they're not doing their job. Um, they're just somewhere else during the time. I just, just saying that's not a party statement. That's just a, it doesn't look like a party's going on. Anyway, so, all right. So when you look at this Senate scene, the Galactic Senate, everybody's in these little pod things, all the different aliens. And there is off to the right in the widescreen version, which is the only screen version you have now, a pod of ETs pointing with glowing fingers. And I'm like, what? Everything makes sense now. Everything makes sense now. Have you ever seen ET? Who's seen ET? Raise your hand. There's a point in ET. Well, okay, first of all, they're playing with Star Wars figures at one point. You see the Star Wars figures there. But so it's fictional, right? It's got to be fictional within the E.T. world that's supposed to be real for the movie. Or did somebody actually, like, are these oral traditions passed down to where this story got made up? Who knows, okay? Now, there's a point where they're in Halloween and E.T. is in the little basket thing and he looks out and he, he sees everybody in different costumes. Well, when he sees somebody dressed like Yoda, and I have that costume, by the way, the 1980 costume, it's a vinyl and it's got the weird rubber mask. I have it sealed in something with the air out so it won't dry around. Anyway, I have it. He sees Yoda. He's like, ah, he's looking. He knows him because he's part of the Galactic Senate from years ago. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far away. So this happened far, far away. If you watch Indiana Jones, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's, uh, it's the Temple of Doom or whatever. There's like these hieroglyphics. And if you look closely, there is R2 and C-3PO because that got brought here somehow. This is all Spielberg and Lucas working together to do this weird stuff. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is the worst Indiana Jones ever. I didn't see the new one, so I'm assuming the other one's still the worst. It is. It is, thank you. Aliens came here like a long time ago. That's how we found out about what's happening. In the, anyways, it's all connected. But anyways, you get a wider angle. And in Matthew, you get something, you're like, he's going somewhere, it's gonna be deep. No, he's not. In Matthew, you get this little tidbit of information you don't normally get. And I had to explain that only by telling you a long story about something you've never seen. Who's never seen Star Wars at all? All right. Thank you for going with me through that little jaunt. Now you're like, now I have to watch all the Indiana Joneses and E.T. to understand it? Yeah, just don't watch it. Anyways, it's not a big deal. We'll be friends. It's no big deal. It's created a lot of conversation. Like, you never seen Star Wars? I didn't know that. How are we friends? Anyways, that's what I imagine you're saying. There's this little scene when Jesus dies on the cross. The graves are opened in Matthew. And the believers of old are coming out of the grave and seen by many. And we kind of read that and we assume that it's like Jesus dies, he's in the grave, and all of these like Old Testament saints are walking around at their back before they go back to heaven with Jesus. But that's not what it says. It actually says they, the graves open and they came out after Jesus's resurrection. 
So they sat there for three days waiting for Jesus because he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Like cool stuff. And he leads them back with him. And that's what he does every single time somebody comes to Christ. He's leading you out of captivity. He's leading you out of death and into life. We're co- you know that praise song, I came out of that grave? That's exactly what it, what it means. Like when he called Lazarus out of the grave, remember the Lazarus come forth? If you've ever heard a pastor preach on that, a lot of times pastors will mention if Jesus had to say Lazarus come forth, because Jesus is so powerful that if he just said come forth, everybody would be like, who, me? And they're all like getting up and getting out of there. So he had to be like specific, because some of those guys didn't have all their skin anymore, and that'd be weird, right? Me? That'd be just a weird, freaky day instead of a really cool miracle. Unless he did the Valley of Dry Bones thing with them, like, hold on. I'm re-knitting you together like I did when you were in your mother's womb. All right. So he leads us out to do what though? Not to take us to heaven right away. God could take you to heaven as soon as you give your life to Christ. Think about that for a second. Sin keeps you from God's presence. He does away with the sin. So you have access to the throne room. He could just be like, all right, you're with me. And I say this, if you've ever seen me before, I always say it like, I always imagine it like kind of like the thing at the bank, the little thing that you put money in and stuff that they used to put lollipops and dog treats in to give back to you if there were kids in the car or dogs and things like that. And, um, and if your parents are really into lollipops, they just have like a baby doll on a seat. It's like, yeah, green. You know, anyway, so you put that thing in there and it's like the thing on Elf, the sucky thing on Elf, you know? And he goes up there. I imagine like somebody gives their life to Christ. Six people stood up last night and God's like, you know, they're all gone. Now they can go to heaven. No, he leaves us here for a specific reason. Not because he could get to know us better in heaven than we could get to, well, he can get to know us anyway. He already knows everything about you. You could get to know him better if you were in his throne room right now than trying to figure things out, seeing through a glass darkly, pouring over his word, learning new things about his character putting things into practice, going through hardships and coming out stronger on the other side. All of the stuff we do that helps us grow, grow to know God, we could do that better if he would just take us straight to heaven. But he doesn't do that. Why? He leads them out and he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. He wants us to move forward with it. I don't know if you know this little tidbit about Disney World. But Disney World was having issues with people just kind of stopping in awe of the castle and everything when they first would walk in, like to Magic Kingdom. They were just kind of like, oh, where do we go? Oh, what do we do? Like, uh, like well, and it was just like bottlenecking at the beginning of the day. So they started experimenting with different scents. And you don't even notice it. It's so subtle. It's kind of like a Cinnabon type scent that they have that you can smell when you come into the park that causes people to walk towards the scent. We'll figure out where we're going. Just follow your nose, just like the Fruit Loop commercials, right? And so people would just move out of the way and they'd get more people in quicker. God wants us to spread an aroma that shows people that there's something better out there. I don't think the aroma of Christ is meant to repel people. Sometimes Christians are spreading some kind of aroma that really isn't an aroma that people want to have. It's kind of a uh, smell, right? Like a, like a cologne. You ever seen Axe? We'll say Axe. <laughs> Sometimes guys think they took a shower because they made a cloud and walked through it. It doesn't smell good. 
How many of you ladies love when a guy is covered in ax smell like the commercials? One guy in the back, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, the smell. They don't like it. Stop doing it. Okay, anyways. Like, if I could come up with one cologne that I think would be a winner, I'd, I'd call it Elon Musk. It's just like a, everything he seems to do is, is a winner. So, and he's got Musk in his last name. Like, why not market that? I don't know why he's doing all this. Why buy Twitter and call it X when you could be marketing Elon Musk? I smell rich and powerful and kind of weird. All right, so. God wants us to take the aroma of who he is and have people just kind of naturally go towards it because it speaks life and it doesn't pull us away in a weird way where we're not growing in him. Now, back to the frog cycle. Let's put the frog cycle picture back up there for a second. All right. I feel like meeting a lot of people in the church over the years that a lot of our church folks, ourselves included sometimes, we get past the embryo stage. Like, like okay, I just became a Christian. What should I do? You should get with the body of believers. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in this pond with a bunch of other tadpoles. There's a few frogs kind of on the top there trying to disseminate their wisdom to the rest of us. I know they make weird noises. They don't really say ribbits. I've never heard that. They just sound like somebody is like creaking some kind of furniture over and over again. And it's annoying and they won't stop. So the, you've got a lot of Christians who are right around this little face here, right around this little face here, and they kind of get stuck. And we know that's not how it's supposed to be. We know he's calling us into something better, something deeper. He doesn't want to leave us the way he found us but he's given us everything possible to grow. And we get into these guilt cycles instead of life cycles. Where, oh, I've been out of the word for a couple of days and then we feel too guilty to get into it instead of like, and I'll just start fresh. Proverbs says, if you fall down six times, get up seven. Instead of being guilty, like there was some command. David says early in the morning while I seek you. He didn't say, and Moses didn't write a law and say, you must seek him early in the morning. Some of you aren't morning people. You're like, God might not want to hear what I have to say yet. I'm going to get some coffee, right? Or I'm, I'm a night person and I'm going to get into the word. When you, what we call mess up, like not do the new list of rules we've come up with after we've been set free in Christ, and you just feel guilt over it, God's not wanting to saddle all that on. He just wants to reach out to you. He just wants you to reach out to him. Not to allow the enemy to say, oh, you're not good and he can't use you now. Just pick up where you left off. I love friends who I can pick up where I left off with. I've got friends, like my, my, when we adopted my son, my best friend from third grade on moved out to Seattle and that's where we adopted my son from. So we stayed him, with him for three weeks and it was like nothing had ever changed since college. But there's other people, exhausting people, people who attach a, like a tube to your chest and suck the joy right out of you, who are like needy friends. If you're a needy friend, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, stop. All right. And we're actually hanging out and they're like, we never hang out anymore. Like, savor the moment, man. I've been busy for three weeks. And you're going to just, we're never hanging out anymore the whole time we're together. 
Like, it's not making me want to put you back in my schedule. Anyways, like the friends you can pick up with right where you left off. God is not wanting you to all of a sudden, okay, well, you haven't, you haven't prayed and you haven't done this and everything. Square one. Now, he just wants you to pick up where you left off. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because when a friend is like that, not just piling guilt on you all the time, but just wanting you to be with them, you want to be with them more. And you want to hang out more and you want to find out what they're doing because they breathe life into you. He's attached something to you. He, the only thing he sucked out of your life was the sin and the power it had over you. And he gives you this amazing joy. That's what he wants you in. Not a guilt cycle, but a life cycle. There's a tadpole. Don't show it yet. There's a tadpole that they found in Arizona. There's a peer-reviewed paper being written about it right now. And, and it's been in the news and things like that. It died in 2019, but they're studying how this could happen. And this tadpole is, they called it Goliath. It never stopped being a tadpole. It died as a tadpole. And it was extremely old. It is an American bullfrog that never quite made it. It had maybe a hormone imbalance, they think. Something wasn't allowing it to grow. And what ended up happening to it, well, let me just show you a picture of it, all right? All right, yes. I, I changed the can for church. All right, so... Um, <laughs> It's the only picture I could find. <laughs> I'm not having the emails come about the speaker, all right? So, it's a Coke. All right. So, we've got this tadpole, massive, bigger than a can of Coke, the size of a banana that should have been eaten three days ago. A real banana would have made this look even... I heard some of you go like, ugh, when you first saw it. Like, you're not like, well, that's beautiful. If only tadpoles could be bigger all the time, I'd have one in my aquarium at home. No, like that thing's repulsive looking. It wasn't meant to be like that. It was meant to get legs and to get on top of the pond scum, not live under it. And, and they know that Goliath, his respiratory, like organs and stuff, did not develop the way they're supposed to. And so he is like that whale that's beached, breathing shallow even though he's gobbling up more food than the other tadpoles in the shallow pond that he lived in, in Arizona. It stayed shallow, probably because of all the evaporation. It's Arizona. It's a dry heat, right? And this thing was huge. And when they found it, initially they thought it was a fish, albeit a slimy, ugly fish, but a fish. And it was never intended to be this way. If, 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 Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, the world would be perfect and there would not be a tadpole with a hormone imbalance anywhere. It's just the case. We wouldn't have any issues. We wouldn't have cancer or anything. But we're in a fallen world and this ended up this way and it's a perfect picture of what we can be as Christians, as baby Christians who never put our faith into practice. When scripture says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's not talking about doing works to get it. It's talking about using it like a muscle. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do something with it. And yeah, I don't know about your church, but in my church, we've got people in their 80s who've never served in any capacity and who are still going to like an adult Sunday school class, which they've been doing since they became an adult, saying, feed me, feed me, and complaining about the food. My goodness, God wants to use you to spread an aroma of his love to other people so that his kindness can draw them to repentance. That they will see you 
and make and want to make a change because of what has been made, the change that has been made in you. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 15. This is who we were. This is who we're supposed to be. He's calling us out here. For you were once darkness. Look at that. You were once darkness. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. We were darkness. That's how synonymous our sin was with who we are. That's why the word of God has to divide between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Like he's separating it out. He's like, this is, this has touched every aspect of you. It's not like, well, I was 99% good. And Jesus was like, oh, we got to trim that little fingernail because it's got some sin on it. You must've touched some sin and got it under your fingernail. Like when you get like just a little bit under your fingernail and it's kind of icky and you just cut. No, no, it's like fused to every aspect of us. He's like, we are going down to like DNA surgery type stuff. I got to remove this thing that is causing death to be in your life. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Not in the light of the Lord. You're light in the Lord. Like he makes you light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, some people take this to mean, and it has, it has a couple meanings here, that we're just to go look at other people's sin and be like, ah. I can't have any thing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness because when they are coming at me or if they're in my life, the word of God, the light of the Lord helps expose them within me so I can get rid of them. It's a twofold thing. Know what is coming and avoid what is coming. Now that doesn't mean that we take a counterfeit bill and we study it so we can learn what the counterfeit is. It means we look at the actual bill. We learn how the bill's supposed to be so that if things are missing, we know that the counterfeit is there. We're like, so, okay, this doesn't have everything. Everything's not measuring up here. So this isn't what God would have me to do. Verse 12, it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything, my pastor used to say, you don't have to take the cap off a sewer to know it stinks. But we kind of have this mindset, well, I need to learn from my own mistakes. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from other people's mistakes. You see somebody else take a path that leads to something. If it was real life and not just a sin, you're like, oh, that guy just fell off a cliff because he was trying to run a mile. There was only a tenth of a mile until the cliff. So I'm not going to do that, right? But we see somebody mess up their life and we're like, oh, it'll be different for me. Like I said the other night, we're the only species that does that. We're the only thing that's like, that could kill me. But not today. Like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Anyways. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil. I don't think I have that part up there, but 
because the days are evil. So what does God want us to do with the message that we have? If you just became a believer this weekend, he doesn't, give me the frog again, not the ugly one. God wants you to get to be a full-fledged follower, disciple of Jesus. A disciple's not just a learner, it's also a follower. It's both things. We need to learn more about God and more about his character, more about his love for other people. If you can grasp that God loved you enough to give his son to die for you and realize for a moment that he has that same love for every other person, then why would we hold back what we've experienced? Jesus standing with his disciples wasn't like, it's been real. Remember what I told you, all that cool stuff. Avoid the bad, do the good. Now all that's wrapped up and, and you get all those instructions in the epistles, all the letters that are written to the church, like we're not supposed to continue in the way that we were anymore, all of that kind of stuff. But his concern right away, having been given all the authority because of what he had done. He says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And remember, is it low? I, I remember, I memorized it in King James, and lo, I am with you. No, and surely I am with you. I, so it was all the disciples and this girl named Shirley. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and surely I'm with you. No, sorry. Um, there's a lot of people there. His disciples were among them. Surely I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Some translations say even if the world would come to an end. Like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to share something with you real quick. Sometimes we're like, ah, and I don't want to bust this for you if this is your life verse or anything. Like, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. That passage is about church discipline. Matthew 18, boom, boom, do this, do this, do this. And if you make a decision on this, um, where two, it says, for in the mouth of two or three witnesses, all are established. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's saying, like, if you do church discipline correctly, then I put my stamp of approval on that. So like you're just as likely to get an answer from God if you're praying by yourself. It's great to get with other people and do that too. I'm not doing a message on prayer. Here's what I'm saying. If you want to experience the abiding presence of Jesus on a regular basis, go and tell people. He says, while you're doing this, I am literally with you. The New Testament tells us that we don't even have to take thought for exactly the words we're going to say, but the Holy Spirit will speak through us. So the Holy Spirit's there with us. We've been commissioned. Jesus is walking with us in this, and he loves your friends. He loves the people in your circles of influence that I'm never going to get to meet. He loves them. And the way he's chosen to show that love to him is by redeeming you and sending you out to spread that aroma. And when you're up to it, he loves your enemies too. And he wants them as well. That's my hope for you guys. I want you right now, just where you're at, to picture somebody in your mind that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Somebody you know, know, like you could have a conversation with this week, not somebody that you're not gonna see for the next year, so you're off the hook, right? 
like somebody you know that lives near you or around you or you do life with, I'm gonna ask you to pray a bold prayer where you are. You don't have to do this. You're like, eh, I, don't, I don't know if I wanna ask God to get somebody ready for a conversation that I'm kind of freaked out about having. You don't have to pray this. You can just silently close your eyes and I'll close in a couple minutes. Or maybe pray, maybe you have that first step prayer where you're like, God, I want to be willing to do that. Can you start working on my heart? But if you're passionate about it, like I need to get this to them, then start praying for their heart. And you can pray for the witness, the words, the boldness, the opportunity, all of those things right now, just in the silence of your, of your mind. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, I'll give you about a minute to do that, and then I'll close. Father, I don't know how many of the people in this room are at the tadpole stage of their Christian walk, but Lord, I've never met a believer who shares their faith who is not growing in you. Lord, help us to step into what you've called us to. Give us boldness. Work on our hearts first, and then work on the hearts of these names we've lifted up before you. Get them ready for conversations, difficult conversations, maybe awkward conversations, conversations that aren't gonna end in somebody coming to Christ right away, but they're gonna plant seeds. Lord, we're not called to cause the harvest. We're called to plant seeds and water because you are the Lord of the harvest. So we pray, as your word tells us to, to send more laborers into the field. Thank you. And as we come more and more alive in you, help us to seek that others would find the change that we found in you, the redemption we found in you, the breath that we breathe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.